What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness Podcast, I am honored to bring you Joe Cerulli. In 1973, he was 19 years old and came to Gainesville, Florida from his hometown in upstate New York to visit friends. At that time, he had less than $500 in his pocket and couldn't afford a health club membership, so he took a part-time job in a health club in exchange for the membership. In 78, he established the Gainesville Health and Fitness Centers in Gainesville, Florida. Today, he owns three clubs with more than 27,000 members, a 78,000-square-foot club in the heart of Gainesville, a 25,000-square-foot club in the Tioga Town Center, and a 14,000-square-foot women's-only center in Thornbrook Village. 2018 marked the 40th year of business for Gainesville Health and Fitness. Joe is an accomplished writer contributing to various national and international publications, including Peak Performance Magazine, CBI, and Club Industry Magazine. He is a featured presenter for many national and international organizations, and he also presented seminars on business and the fitness industry in New Zealand, Italy, Russia, Canada, Brazil, and Hong Kong, to name a few. Joe was asked to make a presentation to Governor Jeb Bush's task force about the city of Gainesville's actions to combat the obesity epidemic. If he is not working or traveling, Joe makes time for various charitable organizations and boards, including IHRSA President and the American Heart Association HeartWalk Chairman. He also gives numerous in-kind and monetary donations to groups such as Peaceful Paths, the Arthritis Foundation, Fight Children's Cancer, the Children's Miracle Network, Project Graduation, and Food and Toy Drives for the Alachua County Volunteer Center, to name a few. He has several numerous, almost can't be named, awards that he has earned, including 25 Best Small Companies in America by Forbes magazine in 2016. Beyond all of these amazing accomplishments, Joe is just simply an amazing person. I hope that you get that through this interview and really see his heart through the words that he says and the stories that he shares. We talk about his journey from a mind, body, spirit perspective. We talk about his hopes for the future of health and wellness. And we talk about what drives him every morning to get up and do the work he does. I really enjoyed this episode and can't wait for you to hear it. All right. I have the sincere pleasure of bringing you Joe Cerulli today on the Minding Wellness Podcast. And I really am just so excited for the insights that he is about to share. I recently heard him and saw him speak at an event and I was so inspired and motivated and just really in awe of his story and how he proceeded through his journey to where he is today that I asked him to be on. Not sure if he would even respond, but he graciously did. And I'm so, so glad that he did. So thank you so much for being here, Joe. Thank you very much, Claudia. It's my pleasure. 
Wonderful. Well, I start every episode with the question, what does true wellness mean to you? So I would love to know your answer to that. Well, I mean, obviously there's different components. Um, I mean, obviously a big part of my life has been the physical component with all the, you know, activities built around how to become physically active to become your best self physically. But I also learned that 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 rolls into other things too, which is the mental part, also looking at what it does for your discipline, for the discipline that you have to apply in your life to make sure you stay physically fit. Because, you know, let's face it, a lot of times the cheering heck would be easier to just keep sleeping, to not get up early in the morning to go train. But I've learned that those mental aspects of keeping yourself physically healthy also apply to all the other parts of your life. And when I'm talking about discipline, I'm talking about discipline at work. I'm talking about finding all the different ways to improve yourself. So, I mean, I look at it from the physical and the, and the mental. Those are the, the two major things I focus on. I, mean, I, I understand there's other elements of um, ways of de-stressing and staying healthy and keeping your blood pressure down and all those things. But those probably are the two main areas that I focus in. That's really perfect. And I'm actually glad you brought up discipline. I think that's not a factor we've brought up too often on this podcast, but I think that it's such an important element and one that we don't often remember to highlight. So I think that that's a really great addition to what um, others have said on this podcast. And it's actually a perfect segue into sort of diving into your journey. I know you've mentioned in the past that success is a course, not a destination. Would you say that's kind of how you see wellness as well, that we don't necessarily arrive at sort of the perfect state of well-being, but we continue to work at it every day? Oh, absolutely. Because it's not something you can just pile up and keep, right? It's something that you have to continually be working, working toward and, um, I mean, let's face it, everybody's getting older, you know, and as you get older, there's more challenges. You know, you just got to keep finding ways to enhance your, your physical well-being constantly. But I think the most important element is consistency. And, you know, when you have that consistency and you do these other great things like getting a physical on a regular basis, because that's like the checking of everything you're doing to make sure that it's working properly, um, that what you're doing is working properly. It involves making sure that that you're evaluating your diet. And I'm not talking about being on special diets. I'm just talking about consumption, you know, monitoring how much you consume, knowing when you're full, you know, knowing when you had enough, knowing when to stop, knowing the basic elements of, eat slower because your brain takes 20 minutes to know that your body is full. Simple things, simple things like that. So like I said, I think everything is, is tied in, but it's a process. It's something that for, and you know, I've been doing this my whole life. It's a process that can be knocked off track. I mean, my, my goal you know, with the people in my life, the people, and I'm talking about my members and my staff, is that there's a consistency that's maintained all the time because I do see people who get off track and all of a sudden they get so far off track 
that they have to go do something drastic to get themselves back on track. And a lot of times it can be, oh, I'm doing this diet or I'm doing that diet or doing this diet. And, and I say, no, it's consistency. It's, even, if, even if you're going to take a little bit of a lull, take it while you're taking care of yourself. You may tone things back a little bit if you've been training at a high-intensity level, dropping it back some, that's fine with me. But the fact that you never get yourself out of the habit of doing it, which really goes back to what I said in the beginning, it's having the discipline to know if I'm going to let this happen today, it's easily going to be happening tomorrow, and it's easily going to be happening next, the next day and the next month and for the next year, and then you're so far out of whack, you've got to pull yourself back in together to get it all together again. My goal is that you stay consistent, that you constantly work on um, when we talk about continual improvement. You know, sometimes a continual improvement is just making sure you keep adding a little bit more discipline into your life as time goes on. Such important points. And I know that it's even highlighted more so in your industry. And I know that you're sort of seeing that every day, not only in your own life, but in, in the members that you help through the programs that you have. So really great points. I would love to dive into your journey in sort of this mind, body, spirit approach, just kind of diving into each of those, because as I listened to your story, and I did listen to, to uh, additional um, recordings, podcast videos that you have done just to really learn all the details and it, it continued to inspire me. And I thought, you know, you've kind of embodied mind, body, and spirit in such a great way that I would like to just sort of dive into that. And I know that kind of it all started with mindset for you. And um, well, it kind of all started with all of them, but I know that mindset was a really big piece for you. And it kind of reminded me of what uh, Carol Dweck kind of termed as a fixed mindset versus growth mindset, fixed being trying to prove something, growth being improving. So can you talk a little bit about your mindset through your entire journey, I know, starting from when you, you know, we're dealing with gyms going out of business and, um, and you having to, to, to deal with that and not losing that mindset. So how did mindset play a role in your journey? You know, if, if I look back, as I've looked back, you know, over my life, trying to find the things that had the biggest impact on me, and a lot of times, the things that have the biggest impact on you could be considered bad things that happen to you, right? Or you can look at it and say, no, it's just an opportunity for me to learn new things about myself. All right. So I think I, I brought up the fact that, you know, before, from when I was 19 to 24 and a half, I worked for six different companies that went bankrupt. All right. And those were the times when I lived in my car and lived in closed down buildings and lived in health clubs I worked in. And if somebody listen to that, they may think, oh, that's horrible. But I always looked at it from a perspective of whatever goes wrong in your life is what propels you on to the next point of your life that would have never occurred unless you went through that previous thing, right? So when I, when I looked at all the companies I worked for that went bankrupt, I mean, let's face it, if they didn't go bankrupt one after the other after the other, and I got went to work for one and everything was great. I would never have my own company today. I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying it would have happened, but it's, it's possible. But because of all those things, it made me, through just chance, start reading about the power that we have in our minds and, and how to think in a way that's towards 
accomplishment, not towards woe is me. And I think those are, those are the things that were probably the most fortunate because when you talk about the mind part, I mean, let's finish it. The mind part is how I think. And when I go through something very challenging, how, what is my mindset of going through it? I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I once had to speak to the Chamber of Commerce. They wanted me to talk about, quote, the economy. Well, heck, I'm not an economist. I could only talk in general terms and how to make the economy work for you. So I related it to it. I'm a pilot, and I related it to a night when I departed Tampa at 1230 in the morning. And 10 miles outside of Tampa, I heard an explosion in my airplane. And I lost all the instrumentation in my airplane, all the communications, everything. But my engine was still running. I flew for almost three hours looking for a place to land, knowing that all the airports were closed uh, between Tampa and Gainesville. And I just went through the whole story of looking for I-75 to see if I could find cars going up I-75 so that I could follow them knowing after about 40 minutes, I should be able to see the rotating beacon of Gainesville. So anyway, I went through this whole story and tying it into dealing with issues of the economy. And when I was done, this, this one woman came up to me and she goes, do you ever get scared flying? And I said, I said, no. And she goes, you never get scared flying. I said, no. She goes, never. I said, no. I said, do you ever want to look over your pilot and see your pilot scared? <laughs> she goes, no. And so, so what I'm saying is with everything I've learned about myself, by applying the things I learned about how to think, I learned how to stay extremely focused. I learned how to stay in a state of mind of how do I accomplish my goal not the fear of something occurring if I didn't, quote, accomplish my goal. And so, like I said, it becomes a mindset that when we talk about how do you put the right information into your mind over and over and over and over and over so it just becomes who you are. And, and I think that's been the greatest value for me when I focused on the, on the books and tapes that I used to listen to all the time, all the time. And everything I listened to and, and read for five solid years was how to think, how to set goals, how to become a person who's working towards accomplishing things, not a person who focuses on all the challenges except for using them as inspiration to become something better than what I, what I am. Yeah, that's a really powerful example. I didn't know that story. I knew you were a pilot, but I, I didn't hear that story before. And yeah, I could see how mindset could have really gotten you at that moment and many moments in your career. And I completely agree. I, I feel like immersion into the insights and thought patterns of others um, is so important because it's not necessarily the default in our society. So we have to be very mindful and intentional about surrounding ourselves with that. So I, I appreciate your story and your guidance in that in that way. Um, and when we talk about body, I obviously that's you know your industry. You're in the industry of fitness, and um, I would love to kind of just dive into where that interest began. I know that your mom was a significant part of that, and um, 
kind of how you continue to inspire and encourage fitness through your programs as well. Well, first of all, like I said, it was driven into my head from when I was seven years old. And, and what was driven into my head was as long as you have your health, you have everything. And uh, as I relate in the story about my mom, you know, she was a nurse. So she saw lots of bad things from, from accidents to just overall health issues. And she was tremendously aware of the importance of, of your health. And so from those words, it got me exercising in front of the TV to a guy named Jack LaLanne, right? And from that, it got me to when all I wanted, well, fortunately, a, a buddy of mine brought me over to his house when I was eight years old to, so I could see his 16-year-old brother lifting weights because they had a gym in the cellar. And I remember looking at him and thinking he looked like Hercules and uh, ran home and told my parents all I wanted for Christmas was a set of weights. And I can still remember walking down my stairwell and looking under the Christmas tree and seeing my 110-pound set of Mighty Mouse weights. <laughs> and that actually started my career in weightlifting. But not only that, even as a nine-year-old, after about three weeks of learning what I was doing, um, bringing my friends down into my cellar and teaching them how to lift weights and going to high school and being too young to play football. And I found a friend that went to the YMCA. And he lifted weights, and I went with him and started lifting weights there when I was 13. By the time I was playing football, I was the captain of the football team, and um, I used to bring the entire football team to the gym to teach all of them how to lift weights. So it's kind of something that's been part of my life. Um, it's something that I've always done. Uh, I, I mean, it's even, you know, even, even to today. I have to work out really early in the morning because if I was working out and I see a member not doing something correctly where I could show them how to do something to get better results, I'd stop my own workout to go show them what to do because I still care so much. And um, that's why I have to train before there's hardly anybody there. So, <laughs> so I can get it in, so I get my own in. But um, anyway, it's just something that's been part of my life. And I don't know how better to explain it than um, than that. And, and it still continues to be, even after all of these years, I still care whether a person gets the best results possible. And um, hopefully it always stay that way. I really love your dedication that started so young. And it kind of brings up a lot of points that I think um, are worth pointing out, one of which is, our kids are listening. <laughs> you know, you listen to your mom, even though if you didn't necessarily write at that moment, verbalize back to her that, oh, I think I'm going to go into this as a, you know, an adult, but you know, our kids are listening and they're watching and you, you know, received early inspiration from, from your mom's profession and what she mentioned to you. And that has started this journey. And I think that's so important for us to be aware of. And, you know, as a, as a patient advocate, you know, reminding ourselves that health, when we have health, we have everything. And I, I think that we sometimes prioritize so many other factors in our life until we have no choice but to prioritize health and it would be um, so much more powerful Absolutely. and helpful if we yeah if we um, took a preventative approach so I love that you um, are out inspiring others to do that um, and you know when we talk about mind body spirit spirits of course so important and I know through hearing you speak and watching and listening 
to several of your interviews. You are such a giver of heart. And I know just from you being willing to come on here, um, you really truly are a giver and giver of information and advice when it's asked of you, giver of your time. And I was just wondering if you could share how this sort of spirit and heart of giving has guided you on your journey, sort of where it came from, whether it's, you know, your parents or something else that inspired you and um, how it's kind of guided you on your journey to the success you've had. Well, look, first of all, I had great parents and I have a great family. You know, I have four sisters and two brothers. I mean, to tell you how close we are as a family over the years, I mean, I'm from upstate New York. And first, my younger brother came down, then my brother-in-law, then I got my father to come out, then my mother. And, well, over time, my entire family of brothers and sisters all live in Gainesville. All right, just to give you a clue as to how close we all were and how close we still are. And, and I think no matter what you look at, and I never realized how fortunate we were growing up to have the parents that we did until I came to Florida because, you know, up in, in the little town I'm from, I mean, everybody had good families, right? All of us had good families. None of us were from broken families. And so I didn't even know about broken families until I came to Florida. And then I started meeting a lot of people who didn't have what we had growing up. And I realized how fortunate we were. Now, you have to understand, when you talk about giving, my, I'm going to go back again. My mother was a nurse, <laughs> right? And what do nurses do? That's all they do, mm -hmm. right? I mean, everything about them is how do you help other people? And, I mean, I, I had a mother who she helped anybody who needed help, friends, you know, whoever needed help. I mean, my mother was always there. So we had a great example I mean, I had a father who was in the military when I was little. He retired when I was 10. But, I mean, the thing I learned about from my father, I, I learned, like, the main thing I learned was hard work. I mean, I saw him. I saw, remember, he had, a, he had to take care of seven kids, right? And I and think about it. There's a one point in our lives where, where six of us were under nine years old. So you can understand, you know, what we saw. But my father also, I saw the, the great relationships he had, the great friendships he had. And, you, and, and like looking back over my father's life, I mean, I know why he had so many great friends. Because he was always there too, you know, when you needed it. So I think it's kind of not just in my DNA, but it's in the DNA of every one of my brothers and sisters. You know, I've told people I have the greatest family on earth. I mean, I have four sisters that will help me with anything. I mean, and they're there helping me before I even, I would ever say I need your help. I don't even have to say, it. Mm -hmm. and they're there. So um, I just think part of it was luck. You know, I was brought up in the right family, so I had a chance to see it. But also I have to go back through the books. And I can remember when I was 21 years old, reading and quoting a book, very, very simple. It said, if you help enough people get what they want out of life, you'll get everything you want out of life. And I remember reading that and I go, you know, that's what, that's what business is all about, right? 
I mean, that's what business is all about. And it's one of the things I've always focused on with my employees. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. And I promise you, you just keep giving and giving and giving and giving. And the world is designed in a way that it'll come back to you without you ever asking for it to come back to you. It'll come back to you. You just have to have faith. And so those were those that that was very that was very moving to me when I read that and made me just kind of hopefully I had lived my life that way, that it was about how do I help, not what do I get. And but when I read that I go, this is something you need to drive through an entire organization. And if you can do that, you can create a you can create a great organization, a great business, and help other people create great lives for themselves if they can understand that concept. So that was a big big one for me too. Such great reminders, and it really, honestly, I have to give a shout out to Italian culture, right? Because we've talked a little bit about how we're both Italian, and my family was very similar. And you know, my I still have family in Italy, and and that's that's what you do. You know, you you stick around each other, and you support each other, and and I just love to hear of other stories like that because I think we um, begin to lose some of that in today's culture, and it's a good reminder that we don't have to, and that there is significant benefits to to knowing that they have your back. And my family is very similar, and I feel similarly blessed. So. I'm um, really glad to hear that that has been your experience as well. And as we talk about, well, your, yeah. No, I was going to say, you, know, you just reminded me of something. I was speaking in Italy, right? I was speaking in Milan. And the person who asked me to speak, his name was Fausto Di Giulio, mm-hmm. of which we are absolutely the best of friends. And then Fausto wanted me to um, come down to um, Florence with him, and I did and then go over to the district where my, my grandparents were from, right? So in the Abruzzi area of Italy. So it was, um, it was 10.30 at night, and we're driving to the Abruzzi area, and I said to Fausto, I said, Fausto, I said, do you have any friends who have any gyms that are open down here? I said, I need to get a workout before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, see, see, Mario, Mario. So he calls Mario. Mario says, hey, I'm closed, but I'll stay open for Joe. Now, I never met Mario before in my life, right? So I go down to the Brutzi area. We go into Mario's gym. Mario comes walking toward me. I'm walking toward Mario. We didn't even say hello. We, we just gave each other a big hug. And I, because <laughs> when I was looking at Mario, I go, he looks like every kid I grew up with, right? <laughs> and um, so it didn't even take words. It was just, hey. Thank you very much, Mario. You give each other a hug and go. So, yeah, I think we do have, I know there's a lot of great cultures, but I know we're one of the great ones too. Oh, I love that story. And I can absolutely see that happening. And honestly, I just got chills down my arm because my mom is from the Abruzzo region. So we're going to have to talk offline a little bit yeah, more about sure. that. We, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Maybe, we're, maybe we're related. I don't know. That's super cool. <laughs> we could be. Um, I I love that. So I know we touched a little bit about how you have sort of instilled this vision of spirit and giving into your staff. I was wondering how you kind of help support continuing to have that staff that's built on having meaning both in work and at work. How do you sort of support? Because ultimately you can't be everywhere. You, You obviously have to have a staff that continues on with your vision and your values. So how do you sort of support and encourage that? Well, fortunately, I have a lot of people been with me 30, 35, 40, and over 40 years. 
okay? I still have one of my, uh, well, multiple of my original employees when I first began. And um, so obviously it was inherent in them, else they never would have been attracted to what I was doing, right? Because you, you, if you do things with passion, which I always have, you start attracting people who have that same passion, right? Now, that was when, you know, in the beginning I had three employees. Today we got like 500 employees. So the question is, how do you keep that going? And and the thing is, you do learn and develop hiring processes to make sure that the people you hire have the same core values that we have as a company. And if you really look at it, Claudia, a company is going to end up with the core values of the owner of the company, right? Ultimately. That's what it's going to be. So when you go through a process to define the core values of the company, if by time your employees got done saying these are the core values and you don't like them, it's going to be one of your core values <laughs> that you might want to address. So when we went through the whole process of defining everything about our company from the vision, the mission, the core purpose, the core values, the culture, um, even the future, what the future would look like. Uh, once we did that, then we said, now we've got to design all of our hiring process processes to find the people that have these same values that tie into the culture, you know, of the company. And once you can do that, I, you know, I've learned that if you can do that right and develop a hiring process that helps you find those people, that you'll, you'll find you could have employees for a week and if anybody talked to them, they'd think they've been with you for a year, mm -hmm. right? Because they just fit in so well. I can give you a real simple story. We had a, a police officer uh, drop dead in the health club one day. <laughs> I mean, drop dead. Mm -hmm. And the supervisor yeah. got on him, a salesperson got on him, and one of my brand new uh, housekeeping staff, brand new 18-year-old kid, he ran over and he got the AED. Well, he thought the AED was locked. It wasn't, but he just didn't realize he had to tug a little harder. He smashed it open and broke his hand, all right? Gets the AED out. We work on this uh, officer for uh, 15, 14 minutes. And then the, um, the ambulance made in EMTs. They worked on him for 16 more minutes. He re completely resuscitated at 30 minutes. 30 minutes, no heartbeat. Heart starts beating. Four hours later, when he wakes up, he knew exactly where he was. No, no injuries to his brain. Nothing. He's perfect, right? He's he's at the health club every day. He's mm -hmm. perfect. But the doctors from North Florida came down to the club to tell those employees. If you didn't keep doing what you're doing, what you were doing, he would have never survived. Now I was in Sarasota, and I I heard obviously I heard, so I called each one of those employees. When I called the brand new employee, the 18 year old kid, I said to him, David, I just want to commend you on what you did. I said, I just want you also to know, I'm really sorry that you broke your hand, you know, trying to get that AED out. Now, this kid didn't talk much, but you knew he had a lot, a lot inside him. And you know, you know what he says to me? All he says to me is this, small price to pay. That was it. Wow. 
and and it, it gave you an idea of the character of this individual who'd been with us for one week and um it's because we know how to find the right people and when you got the right people everything else is easy because for most of the things that you do in our business unless it's like accounting or or physical therapy we can teach you how to do the different components of the work but i can't teach you to have really good core values i can't teach you to be a nice person you know i can't teach you those things all the other things we can teach you so the goal is find the right people right from the start Wow. Okay. Now you're making my, my, my uh, arms stand up again with goosebumps. Um, that's a really, really significantly moving story of when you find the right people, what can happen. And he was not there long enough to have really had this instilled on in him, you know, in working there. Like it wasn't because he had been there 20 years. It was because you had found the right person. He already was that. And that's, that's really um, pretty amazing. And what an absolute blessing for everybody involved in that, for the officer, for the officer's family, for the hospital to know that employees would do such a thing, for other employees to hear and see that happen. I mean, just like the ripple effect from that is way more than just the amazing part of saving his life. So that's, um, that's so telling and way more telling in story terms than you could even speak. I think it's one of those things where you could just live, you could just see and feel being there through that and know that this is the type of person that you are hiring. And that's pretty amazing. Um, I, I really appreciate that story. What are your hopes for the future of health and wellness, both in the industry, but also just individual health and wellness? What do you sort of hope, um, whether it's changed or if it's continuing something that we're doing right? What are your kind of your visions for that? Well, I, I think the most important thing, just if you look out there, is that people do something, something. You know, even if I'm going to have to go back to the discipline part, because look, at there's people who exercise regularly. All right. I mean, if you look at uh, the number of people who are members of the health club, about 20% of the population are members of a fitness center. And it could be any kind of fitness center, you know, profit, nonprofit, um, all the boutiques, whatever. There's about another 20% who stay active on their own. That still leaves a humongous portion of the population that really isn't doing pretty much anything. And um, I, I mean, obviously, all you have to do is kind of walk around to be aware of, of how a lot of people have let themselves go. And I, I look, I look at that like, I'm, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I, I sometimes can look and say, how can you let that happen to yourself? You know, it's like you're given this one body and everything about what you do now is something that's going to affect you in the future. It's like I heard a long time ago. I said, you know, God gave you your face for the first 40 years and you gave it to yourself for the next 40 years. <laughs> it's kind of like that's what happens uh, with people and their bodies. I'm very, as I said, I'm very much into physical health, but physical health, I think, helps people mentally. And when I look out the future, I'm just hoping that more and more people take on some sort of activity that they enjoy and that they work on doing it regularly. 
with us as a, a business, our goal is just to find more and better ways for people to enjoy coming to the fitness center and staying active. I mean, if you look at them, I'm going to take this very now back to us. You know, our our core purpose when we said, what what are we all about? We realized we came up with a little slogan to create to create an experience that helps people get the most out of life and inspires them to become their best. That's our core purpose. Now, what do we mean by that? When we talk about creating experience, we're meaning how can we make the environment so good that you want to be there, and while you're there, you exercise, and it gives us an opportunity to help you, inspire you to become better than what you are. And that's how we look at it from a very local, you know, from our business perspective. So when I look out there, it's find people finding different activities that inspire them, that motivate them, that's something that they, once they start, they don't stop. Um, because like I said, I hate, I hate seeing people sick. You know, I have an aunt who's in a, in a nursing home. And it's not that she didn't want to take care of herself. There's some people, obviously, she had a horrible spine, which over time just debilitated her. Um, but I see so many people that they're there because of the way they lived their life. Mm -hmm. Because when I go, this is the interesting thing that I, I just always noticed. I go there and I see these people in wheelchairs, in beds and all. And then I go to the health club and I see the same people, but they're on the treadmill, they're strength training. They're the same age. <laughs> they're all the same age, but they've kept that activity level in their life as being a critical component of their life, which totally changed, you know, the second 40 years of your face that you're responsible for. And um, so anyway, that's just uh, something that I hope over time, more and more people will become aware of the of the medicinal benefits of keeping your body active so that's so, my thinking yeah that's um so true and so important and you know i i come from a pharmacy background and i think about you know all the pills that i doled out over the years or was involved with helping you know physicians prescribe and um we've definitely become a, a you know over medicated society and i'm um, trying to fix things oh, and i Definitely think Western medicine has its place, and I certainly don't, um, you know, talk down at all about all of the advances. Um, I just, I do agree that we need to refocus on the things that we can do to help our body perform optimally. And I think people have sort of just lost touch with how great our bodies can feel and how great they can, um, you know, live and act for us if we just provide it what it needs. And um, yeah, so I, I think those are really, really important points. As we kind of wrap yep. up, I would love to know what um, drives you or inspires you with a sense of purpose and meaning that maybe, you know, isn't tied to any traditional societal measures of success. So you certainly have proven yourself over, you know, the several years um, of your journey and, um, you know, your success is certainly not in question. I just wonder what, like, you know, what, what gets you up in the morning and drives you to continue doing the work you do, even though you, you know, you could probably just, you know, sell the gym and, you know, go live somewhere and, um, you know, and enjoy, you know, maybe more of a silent or secluded life. What kind of drives you though, to continue improving, getting better and really doing the, the work that you do? 
Well, it's funny because, I mean, I get offers to buy my business all the time, and I tell them all the same thing. You know, you can give me as much money as you want, but I can only go hang out in Starbucks so long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, the, the thing that drives me, well, first of all, um, <laughs> I get up early every morning. Every once in a blue moon, I will maybe sleep in a little, but I get up early. And, and, and when my alarm goes off, and it's usually 4.30 in the morning, the latest, maybe 5.30 in the morning, uh, depending on which workout day. And um, so the first thing is I'm driven to get out of bed, number one. And um, the next thing, it's, it's funny, but as part of the discipline of my whole life is I make my bed every morning. Like, that's the first thing I do. And And... As far as the other elements of it, I just have a need inside of me that I have to accomplish something today. And I can't do it laying in bed. I can't do it sitting at home. Um, but I have to accomplish something today. So I make sure each and every day I have a plan that I know what I'm going to be working on that day. I know what the most important things are you know, for me to be doing. And um, those are those are the things. Like I said, it just, um, I, I don't know, I, I can't even explain where it comes from, but I, I just never look at it and say, okay, I've made it. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I'm a success. Because as, I, as we said, it's a course, not a destination, which means it can be taken away from you in a hurry. And maybe, you know, once again, maybe, with all the companies I worked for that went bankrupt, I realized you could have everything and then have nothing at the same time unless you unless you keep working to make sure that you're finding a way to make the things you do count more and also to do the things that are important to like moving you forward and in my case, moving my whole company forward. So it's like I will still take time out to read, you know, each day. I mean, some of the people look at the book I'm reading, they go, why are you reading that? It's called For God, Country, and Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's the whole history of Coca-Cola. And I find it so interesting to see all the challenges Coca-Cola, this monster company, has gone through over the course of their lifetime as a company and realizing, wow. This is how they work through this. This is how they work through that. Okay, we've got challenges. Let's start thinking of the different ways we can work through them and come up with solutions. And, you know, still after how long I've been doing it, you know, I still wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with an idea mm-hmm. of something that I was thinking about. And I've, I've, I've even learned that a lot of times, you know, who, who likes to wake up at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night. But I know when I've had quote challenges, I've learned that when I do, I know it's my brain just trying to figure out the answer. And I just accept it, that it's going to happen and it's going to happen each night. And then what always happens, it may be in week number four, I'll wake up at three in the morning and the answer will be right there in front of me. Cause I know that's how our mind works, right? It processes all this stuff when we're sleeping and I've learned to accept that. And it's a big part of learning the things I can do to overcome challenges and to become better. Mm -hmm. Such important, um, such important points. And I'll start with the important point of making your bed. It seems so simple, but I can't leave the house 
either without making my bed. And I think that it's, it sort of yeah. sets the tone and I don't, maybe it's an Italian thing. I'll have to look into that, but I, I can't, I can't understand. <laughs> I can't leave the house with, with leaving it and, and coming back in that state. So it's, 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 I think, you know, it's this accumulation and, um, you know, of, of all the small things that we do and it, it sort of sets the tone for the day. But I just, I love that you really truly embody mind, body, and spirit. And I, I so appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with us. I know that you're in um, high demand in lots of ways, but I appreciate um, so much. You really honestly make me appreciate Gainesville so much more. We kind of have boomeranged back and forth three times in our lives. And I, I you know, I, the last time we came here, I was thinking, you know, where am I to Gainesville? That's like where we went to school. You know, that's not really where I envisioned settling down, but um, you, you sort of have, have reignited my uh, inspiration of of being here and of the amazing people that are here. So I, I appreciate that. And I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Claudia. You take care. What an insightful and amazing podcast with Joe Cerulli. He is truly a trailblazer in his field. And through all of his success, he maintains such a down to earth and kind heart. And I really appreciate that. I really truly appreciated his time and generosity and spending that with us today. And I certainly hope that you have gained several pearls of wisdom from this episode, probably one that you might even want to listen to again. I know there are several for me that I often gain more from the second and third time. So I would love it if you would share this with anybody you think it might benefit. I think that his words are wise and ring so true to so many. So I am grateful for all of you continuing to stick with me as we mind our wellness. I'll see you here again next time.